You're now listening to the Thousand Story Podcast, presented by Thousand Story. Welcome to the Thousand Story Podcast. We are your hosts, Najee. And Luis. And we have a lot to talk about. So first of all, what is the Thousand Story Podcast? Or actually, more than that, who are we? Why is this important? So me, my name is Najee. Um, I'm a creative, uh, you know, and I, I call myself a creator and thinker, but most people would know me as a musician or singer-songwriter. Um, and I'm also a uh, a producer for myself and other people, um, also a, a musician as a drummer. Um, so the, that's my bit of context here. And Louise? I am also an independent creative. Um, I mainly do music and photography. Uh, I produce my own music. I sing. I'm an artist. I do a lot of things. Yeah, I we both we both do a lot of things. And we noticed that that is a a trend for the the modern day, you know, freelancer, creative freelancer is that mm. we all do a lot of things. And with that, you know, there there are so many stories and ideas that we wanted to share um and talk about um that you know, we thought it'd be a good idea just to make mm. a podcast about it, you know, cuz they're really podcasting for for our generation is you know, there's there's more interest coming into it, but there isn't really uh, you know, we're, we're a new market that's right. entered into the podcast game. So we figured we'd fill the niche, talk about things that are relevant yeah. to 20 something freelance creatives. There's a lot of information out there, uh, but it's not collected into a spot where you can just learn about, you know, what it is to be an independent creative, what it is to uh, run your own business and, and things like that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we wanted to share, uh, share some of our experiences, share um, our friends' experiences, um, and, you know, look at common trends or new things that are happening or being enacted uh, that kind of affect us as independent creatives. Um, and especially, you know, both of us being musicians, things that affect us as musicians as well. Mm. And I think it's good to note that this podcast is, you know, by independent creatives for independent creatives. And even though we are musicians and and that's where we come from and that's you know our main background um we do want to focus on other independent creatives you know designers videographers uh -huh. uh, t-shirt makers you know what i mean <laughs> like brand producers <laughs> absolutely uh, of the world and 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 even though we might lean a little heavy on the music side you know we're we're going to try our best to kind of keep this for uh the rest of our audience. Absolutely. So with that in mind, you know, we wanted to talk today uh, about how independent artists like ourselves, music artists in this case, in this conversation, uh, make money. You know, what are the avenues that we have to make that money? So we brought in one of our friends, uh, Chloe Heavey from STEM to talk about her life, how she got into the music industry and how STEM is helping independent artists, musicians, make money and traverse the business side of music 
which is highly important if uh, you're to stay independent and to make your own money. <laughs> Absolutely. So we, before we get into that, we wanted to kind of touch on, you know, what is an independent artist? Nowadays, that term is pretty vague because it's not, it's not just one person, you know, mm-hmm. it's, if you are one person, that's kind of, you're at a disadvantage already. You know, most independent artists have a team, Yes. you know, so what goes- Which is often that? overlooked. Very overlooked. Yeah, yeah. And, and most people really think, you know, I, I love Frank Ocean or I love Donald Glover or all these artists, but they forget that they have, it's not just them. They have an entire team around them. Them and 50 people. Right, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Or maybe not that many, but, you know, there's always always way more above the water than there's below. You know what I mean? So there's there's always so much that goes into it that you don't see. And one of those things is how many people are involved on on your side or how many people you have to have on your side to effectively make Mm. a release happen and make Mm -hmm. a career happen. Yeah. Um, But even besides that, so, you know, as an, you know, what, what would you consider an independent artist then? If it's not just a singular person, I mean, it can be, right. but if it's not just a singular person or just bound to that, so what does that mean? So essentially, I like to define it as um, there's kind of like a difference between DIY artists and mm. DI, um, what did I say? It was DIY artists and DIO DIO artists. artists. Yeah. yeah. So like do it yourself and do it ourselves. Um, so typically, uh, you know, unless it's it's one of those flukes where it's just you know a, a Zach. Uh, wh- wh- how do you pronounce his last name? Valer. Zach Valer. I think. Yeah. I, I think it's Valer. I think it's Valer. But like Zach Valer yeah. or, or or Claro or um, Kuko or people or yeah. you know th- those those kinds of artists who are genuinely DIY. Like they just put stuff up, and you know technically they do have a team. They have people that help produce the song. So yeah. Zach Valer in this case, you know, had um, you know Weird Inside, and uh, you know the, a few other people who you know who were part of his collective mm. in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, you, ha- you have Clara who just straight up put, you know, a song on, on the web and it just kind of blew up. Yeah. Those things happen. Mm-hmm. They're rare, but they happen. But typically the artists that you see that actually have like a solid following, like the yes. Daniel Caesars, the Hers, the Chance the Rappers, right. the Frank Oceans, those guys have teams. They are definitely not doing it themselves. Yeah. Or themselves. Themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they have, they're doing it ourselves they're doing it with their entire squad you know they have people on salary you know right. i can't go into too many details about some things i know but um typically you know those guys have dedicated plans and people to enact those plans mm-hmm. and most people don't even know that and that's crazy yeah i never knew that until i started getting more into into the business side of, of what it actually takes to be you know a, a right. full-blown musician and and, and artist and, and that's your job you know yeah yeah yeah, but for so you you know there's so there's that example right? You have the DIYs, the DIOs. Um, so then, if you keep going and delving into you know what makes an independent artist indie, you, it's really like the um, the seceding of or, or the, the the secession from the major label or mm. a label in mm-hmm. general. Um, and to an extent, that's true. But there are still independent artists who sign with labels. It might be an indie label. It might be, you know, yeah, um, yeah. it might be a one-off deal with a major label where they do a single mm-hmm. instead. Or, you know, they don't have a, a definitive contract or time. They just, you know, sign a project rather than them, themselves. Right. Chance does quite a bit of that. Right. Well, he'll yeah. sign with like a major company. Right. Or something like Apple. You know, yeah, yeah. can deal with that. And he's still technically indie, although mm-hmm. that's a major company. Right. He's still an independent player. He's controlling the team and acting as his own business as opposed to being controlled by a label, label or the label's interests. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot goes into the definition of independence. So there is a lot that you can do 
to be able to afford that lifestyle. It's not, you know, there's not one size fits all. You have to be this type of independent artist to mm-hmm. make it. Um, so some things that people will do will be, you know, some some of them will take uh, different kinds of deals. So, you know, what kind of deals are there? So a record label deal typically involves, uh, well, earlier, like back in like the 70s, so like when the major this label. Was, yeah, and, and, and to preface, I guess this is the only way that you could before back, you know, right. before like basically the nineties and, and previous prior yeah. before that, this was basically the only way to get a, a, a record out was you signed with a major label, right? They took a percentage of or an enormous percentage, basically your entire mm-hmm. song. Um, they it made you transfer over your ownership of the masters masters being the sound recording, um, because there are a few different copyrights involved in a song and we'll get into that a little bit uh, more later, but basically they owned the master side, um, the sound recording side, and then they, um, gave you a percentage of that master. So they paid you back <laughs> on your own song. But, um, th- at that point, then they would also develop an artist. They, you know, depending on how much they wanted to invest in that person. Yeah. Um, then on the other side, on the compositional side, you had, uh, you still have, we still have publishing deals. And publishing deals have nothing to do with the label. Publishing deals are with publishing houses and, and publishing firms and agencies mm-hmm. directly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are major publishing firms like Sony, ATV, um, uh, EMI. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other ones. I can't really think. Of, but those are, you know, two big ones mm-hmm. where you are universal. Um, you know, they these are companies that may have the label side or may have the sound recording side, but they also have their separate compositional publishing side. Mm-hmm. And that's an entirely different deal. That deals with the the royalties and, and rights pertaining to the underlying composition of a song. So right. not the actual sound recording. But the 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 uh, the notes, the arrangement, the the, chords, the, lyrics. the, vocals, the lyrics, not the yeah. chords actually. Surprisingly, oh yeah, that's right. We did have this conversation. We did have this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, funnily enough, chords aren't actually copyrighted, which kind of makes sense if you think about it. Because yeah. if we were to copyright chords, most of the songs wouldn't exist today. <laughs> yeah, but well, most songs in the '60s would not have been. Not at all. Um, but everything else. So mainly the melody, uh, the lyrics, and the the arrangement of a song are copyrighted. Um, And that copyright, if you don't have a publishing house to kind of admin those rights or to own them at all, you own them yourself. You, uh, by default, you own everything. You own the sound recording and the the publishing rights Mm -hmm. or the compositional rights. But now, like I said, there's also that kind of deal where you can get a, in advance. And (laughs) the funny thing about advances is that most people don't realize why it's called an advance, but I'll get to that in a second. So with both types of deals, major record label deals or publishing deals, you can get um, what we call an advance or some sort of other compensation up front. Mm. And then, you know, that's that's how you know you made it. You know, that was typically a sign of, yeah. wow, this guy's got a deal. He, oh, yeah. He, I got a bunch of money up front. And, you know, in the case of a major label, that was basically selling your soul away because <laughs> with an advance, an advance is uh, called an advance because it's an advance on royalties. Now, what does that mean? Basically, long story short, it's a it's loan. A, it's their gambling on you to essentially pay that money back with the music that they are now going to own and that you made. That you made. So they invested in you or are going to invest in you up front. Or not even up front. They're going to invest in you and hope that they get royalties back on that. But to keep you, uh, you know, to give you incentive to sign over this agreement or to sign this agreement in general, mm. they give you an advance on those royalties. So a, a good faith gesture, so to speak, <laughs> of being able to make the money back from this hit record that they're right. putting money into. But the thing that you don't realize if, well, 
you should realize if you're signing it. But if you don't realize it, is that it is a loan. It is an advance. It is not free money. It is not something no. that you don't have to pay back. You have to make that money back for the label. They own yeah. the song. It's an advance on the royalties that you're supposed to make. So, And if the music doesn't pop if the off. If music doesn't pop off, guess who has to pay the advance back? You do. You do. <laughs> so it behooves you and it behooves artists nowadays to think about that. But that's that again, that's a whole other conversation. So back but going back to being an independent artist, independent artists can still make deals. Uh so they can make indie deals um or like one-off deals or like a single project type deal with independent labels who use similar uh terminology and, and similar um kind of methods of putting out a release where they try to either own the master or exclusively license it, which mm-hmm. is what I prefer in many cases. Um, you know, <laughs> that's yeah, I, whenever I've dealt with a label and in, indie specifically, you know, I've always made sure that it's either non-exclusive or if it's exclusive, it's a license and it's for a specific amount of time because by default, most labels are going to put things in perpetuity and in perpetuity means forever, forever, <laughs> never uh, ending, never ending. So always owning, <laughs> it behooves independent artists to pay attention. But yeah. still, even if you do pay attention, say you know all these things and you're still taking this, this deal, either from uh, an indie label or from a publishing deal, you know, which mm-hmm. is a kind of like a common thing for independent artists nowadays to do, to take a pub deal. And like I said, pub deals involve splitting or ownership uh, sometimes. You know, typically it's, it's co-ownership of the underlying composition. So 50-50 in that regard. And then they might pay you in advance. They might just give you other perks um, in regards to, you know, being a songwriter for other people. They might give you access to different songwriters in Rome or different artists that need songwriters. So there are different perks and pros and cons to a publishing deal than there would be, say, a, a major label mm-hmm. record deal or just like a, like a record deal um, because they, they both pertain to two different sides of music. Um, so nowadays you're seeing a lot of artists take these pub deals to get an initial chunk up front where they feel like they're not giving away because they technically aren't, you know, it, it's that the, the, it's co-ownership in the sense that, um, many of them now are doing like an exclusive license type thing where you're co-licensing or giving them exclusive rights over 50% of your composition mm-hmm. and in exchange, then they give you um, access to industry, you know, network connections. And like I said, sometimes it's in advance, sometimes mm-hmm. in studios, things like that. And that may work for you, for your specific type of situation, depending on what the deal is. And keeping, keeping that in mind though, you know, most people forget to realize that, you know, all contracts are negotiable. You know, you, as an independent artist, it's important to understand that you don't have to just sign what they give you right away. Always yeah. look at things, always yeah. observe, always ask, Question. and always negotiate. Yeah. See what you can get or what you need. Because if you don't have to take the advance up front, if, if you don't want that, then you could go and you have a little more leverage as far as what you can ask for elsewhere because you're not taking money from them up front. You're both kind of invested into your career together. Um, so that's, like I said, that's an option that a lot of indie artists are taking nowadays where they have the pub deal. They don't have to worry about their masters. They own their masters. They own their their public, their composition and they're making money, you know, and that's successful mm. for some. But many people in our field don't even know what that is or what that whole interaction is like. Mm-hmm. And, there's, and that's due to there being sort of a miseducation on how to make money, when you're supposed to make it, yeah. what agencies you're supposed to collect them from, why they are agencies in the first place, why can't you just be handed the money directly, et cetera, et cetera. And all that misinformation is due to there not being a central location mm. for all this information for indie artists or for artists in general. Yeah. And 
coupled with that, you have a lot of um, music industry heads that are trying to keep information, uh, certain bits of information quiet or private. And, you know, you're not, you're not being included on certain meetings because, you know, technically the interest isn't, um, in in the in the interest of the artist, it's in the interest of making money off of the artist, or it's in the interest of the label that owns the artist rights. Right. So there would be no reason for the artist to be part of meetings, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So nowadays, being an independent artist means being aware. It means being uh, you know figuring out your game plan, figuring out what direction you need to go in and how you can accomplish that. Can you do that solo? Can you do that with a team? Or, you know, what What do you need to make those things happen? Um, and then it's a matter of educating yourself on what you're going to be facing mm-hmm. as an independent artist. And all of that, I think, encompasses today's independent artists. Yes. It's, it's not just, there's no one type. It's, it's a person who has several t- or scenarios or, you know, several forms of experience in this field, dealing with both major labels and independent labels or no labels and dealing with just person to person. So when dealing with person to person, say you're for, you know, just foregoing the entire old hierarchy and, and, and setup uh, for music and how people make music, which is off of royalties. And speaking of that, just to speak on that quickly before mm. I, I go to the next point. Yeah. Um, you know, making royalties, how do you even earn that? What is that? You know, what agencies, you know, what, what goes into all that? How are you, wh- why is it that being yeah. in music, you don't get paid monthly or weekly or anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's because these agencies are here to collect um, royalties for you, sure, but they don't pay them out until one, you've hit a threshold, or and two, um, they pay quarterly. So as a, or, you know, biannually. Mm. Um, so you have a, a lot of times where, you're not going to see money for a long time. And that's just on one side. That's just usually on, it depends on which, uh, you know, kind of distribution company you go through. But a lot, oftentimes you're not going to see the master side unless yeah. you, you know, have access to that distribution company's, uh, you know, kind of platform or you make enough money on the master side. But uh, on, the, on the compositional side, you don't see those royalties like for months at a time. So most of the time you could be making money but you don't see it. You're not, you don't have any access to it until, you know, the quarter, quarter one or two, you know, or three, you know, and that is problematic to me. You know, I, so then it, then it begs the question. So how do we improve that? How do we take the next step? How do we get artists paid? How do you make money as an independent artist if all your money's tied up in just bureaucracy? Right. And that is where people like STEM come in or people like, um, there's just any sort of, independent distributor who is conscious of these problems mm. and uh, is making an effort to kind of collect all your royalties for you and collect all your all your dues yeah. and and pay you out in a reasonable reasonable time and give you the the stats that yeah. you need to actually further and and better your money down the line. Um so STEM is a great example of that. Um, and they are the company, they are basically a digital distribution company. Um, they consider themselves a tech company, which they are. They, they completely definitely are. are, yeah. yeah. Um, and for me, the funny thing is that I've never actually considered them a tech company because it just hasn't occurred to me because they've been so concerned about the music and so you know, enveloped. That's in the one of the process. cool things is, I, is I'm noticing more and more that people are, like the whole overall zeitgeist that's kind of starting to like bubbling up, you know, is, is, is that... People are caring about the artists. Yes. You know, more and more. And Absolutely. about how do we support the artists, you know, yeah. making their way so that we can continue to get more content, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that is what STEM does. But uh, coming back to that in a second here, 
Okay, so you have the the royalty stuff down. You 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 have your your actual releases kind of down. Then you have the whole other domain of music, which is live performance. You know, active income. Yeah. Um, and independent artists have to go through that as well. If you're not with a label or you're not organizing it, you have to be your own booking agent. You have to be your own promoter. <laughs> you have to be everything. Oh There's and so many things involved. So many things. Just being your own artist. Yeah. I mean, I mean, having to. Be the job of the booking agent, be the job of the music producer, the artist who's on stage, you know, the your your own manager, essentially. Absolutely. You know, until, you know, until you start you building a team. Yeah. yeah, build a team. Um, and at that point, then, you know, that's going to say, okay, wow, there are a lot of jobs and there are a lot of things that go into being an independent artist. Mm-hmm. So how do you figure out what you want to prioritize? How do you figure out, you know, how to make money from this thing if you have to do all the things? Mm. And... There really is no one straight formula. Different things work. And there are general tips and, uh, you know, the bits of advice that we could give, you know. But for the most part, there really is no clear-cut way to, you know, definitively make money. People right. will make money in many different ways. We, however, have just happened to find some that work. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not that, again, this is not knocking... Um, major labels or, or, you know, promoters or you know, people who have, you know, signed deals or, or to, you know, anything to that extent, but it is a very different lifestyle and it's not for everybody. You know, not everybody can actually handle what it means to be an independent artist. You know, some people need certain things taken care of. Some people need to be able to not think about uh, <laughs> what, what deals they're signing, even though everybody should be thinking about what deals they're signing, but yeah. people have different priorities. Yeah. Some people want the income, now you know and and want the stability and and that's okay you know choosing your own way that's totally fine yeah so with all that said being an independent artist yeah is a music artist specifically and and, you know it's so very all-encompassing because there are so many different avenues to make money from this um and you know we haven't even touched on you know getting into merch or talking to manufacturers for that merch or you know uh you know setting up pop-up shops or digital design or you know the branding you know these are all different ways um that you can kind of feed money back or you know make it kind of like a, a a link in your money chain so to speak and you know with all that in mind you know there are there there are a lot of different topics we could cover in today's podcast but we are only going to be talking about the royalty side um and even though it's only one aspect it's a very important aspect because most people don't have any idea <laughs> of how to approach this side or how it's been approached or you know how you even start making money from your music Directly, like just the stuff that you've put out. So with that context in mind, our first guest will be a lovely friend of mine. Her name is Chloe Heavey, who actually is one of the artist development managers, if not the only artist development manager at STEM, um, and is here today to just chat, give us a little bit of her story, talk about some STEM things. So what is up, Chloe? Hello, boys, or men, I should say. <laughs> I prefer the toy boys. <laughs> boys is cool with me. Boy, yeah. With an O-I, naturally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, how you feeling, though? <laughs> I'm feeling fabulous. I just drink coffee. I'm in my pajamas, talking to my boys mm. about important the things. NFL. You know, like, I can't complain. I can't complain either. That sounds it's, awesome. it's, it's a nice, if, if we can make money from this eventually, which we will, when we make money. When from we it, make money. Yeah, let's manifest the future. that. Yeah. Put it into the future. Manifest, manifest that. Manifest Exactly. It. it will be a great living. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> one, you know, I guess we got to figure out. So, what's your story? I'll, you know, I'll, let, I'll let Luis take yeah, it. Yeah, because Chloe, I don't really know you very well. I'd, actually, let me say this. 
I don't know you at all. <laughs> <laughs> this is our this first is the first time that you and I have met. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, yeah. So, what what is it that you that you do really? That I do. Okay. So I am the artist development manager at STEM, <laughs> um, which is a title that is a bit confusing. Um, mm-hmm. Working at a tech company is interesting in the sense of we don't have a super hands-on role with artists. Mm. So I play more of a strategy role for the artists that we bring into the company. But maybe I should back up and explain what STEM is maybe before I explain what I do. We that, got I was just about to ask. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> okay. So what is what is STEM? STEM yeah. is a digital distribution and payments platform for independent artists, particularly those that have highly collaborative projects. Um, mm. Artists that use STEM, we enable you to add essentially revenue shareholders on both the sound recording and composition side of a piece of content, um, so that anyone that collaborated on your project is paid out directly per a revenue split month over month. That sounds... Um, and that's the high level. <laughs> What's the low level? <laughs> um, the low level. Um, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to go into it. <laughs> we have secret vaults where we keep Frank Ocean hidden. Mm. Yeah. Is that where he's been? Mm-hmm. I was wondering time. why he wasn't making the festival appearances last year. <laughs> he, yeah, he's currently in our basement. Um, but we feed, we feed Are him. Are you feeding him? Yeah, yeah on Tuesdays. Yeah, that's, that's on Tuesdays, you know. <laughs> Only on Tuesdays. Exactly. So speaking of you kind of being um, a reference point for artists, you know, I, I want to delve more now into the your role in STEM. Sure. You know, so we know you're an artist uh, development manager, um, and we know how you kind of like got there and kind of worked your way up into that. Um, so STEM as a whole for you, um, I feel like they have kind of a culture that that's very nurturing. Um, but what would you say that the STEM culture is like, what do you feel? Why do you work there? What, what's, what's your role in that? And how does that affect you? Um, I, I say STEM culture is be good humans, do good shit. Mm, that's cool. Absolutely. It's very short and to the point. Yeah. Um, we are a tech company and the majority of the people that work at STEM are engineers. So very hmm. left brain, I would say. Okay. Right, right that have a love for music and creativity, but the way they process the world is more pragmatic and to the point. So right. I say that's part of the culture is get shit done. Let's make it clear and simple. Um, and then the good, be good people part is also very important. Um, we don't mm. want to be the clinical tech company. And that's why we have a product that serves musicians. And there's that human kind of gushy bit of being a part of STEM Mm. is we Mm. love music and we love making a product that helps people and helps move creativity forward and bolsters collaboration. So I love STEM and I stayed at STEM because it's this beautiful juxtaposition of tech and business with the arts. Um, And both Mm. those sides exist within me. And it was the first place that I felt like I didn't have to sacrifice any of my interests or myself um, mm. when going to work. I do have a question. So how did you get into, like, you weren't always working at STEM, no. obviously. Mm-mm. What were you doing right before that? I guess, like, at a, I guess like you're at a college, you know. 
So I was doing A&R yeah. at um, A&R internships at different labels, okay. publishing companies and management companies. Um, I was actually managing a rapper and he got offered a pub deal. I saw the deal and it mm. was sort of the nail in the coffin of not wanting to work yeah. for the industry industry. Yeah. Um, just because right, it right, was right. a death sentence. And I was like, ugh. I can't be a part of this. Like I can't be an A&R that signs people to deals like this. Um, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to do it on my own. I started working with another artist. I wanted to put out music for him and mm. I needed a distributor found STEM. Milana was like, love you. Love this idea. Um, at the time mm. there was only 15 people working at STEM. She was like, you can mm. just come run your little business or like side hustle out of our office and do the things that we don't want to do Word. in exchange. Oh. Well, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Milana for that one. For people who don't know, Milana is uh, the co-founder and CEO, I believe, mm-hmm. of STEM. And she she's just a homie, especially for that. I already knew she was the homie, but that that's what's up, Milana. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's super cool. She yeah. really t- took me under her wing, as she's done for many people. Um, mm. So I did that and was kind of just sitting in the STEM space and... Mm. eventually that changed into me contracting for them and doing working for them on the support side and really doing any kind of odd job that they needed me to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was A&R based as well. Um, Cause when STEM started, it was very exclusive. So we only allowed very select people onto the platform. So part right. of what my job was, was to essentially find artists that were worth approaching at the beginning of STEM. Mm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and I loved doing that. Um, and then I graduated college. They offered me a position to work as Milana's assistant. And I did that actually right after college. So I had been working for STEM uh, as an okay. intern for six months, um, moved into the assistant role. I did that for seven months. Um, and then was. And I, I believe I met you when I when you were assist. We were an intern at that point, right? Yeah. I, or wait, wait. wait. I think I was, I was an intern when you met me. Okay. The first uh, so time. So was it at that point when you were, right before you were her assistant then? Yes. Got it. Okay. Exactly. Um, and then in December of last year now, I was promoted to be the artist development manager. Oh, wow, that's awesome. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That's how she, how she got to that point. And now, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I guess what artist development looks like at STEM or what that role is, is mm-hmm. half of it is A&R still. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's constantly discovering new artists that are early bets. So people that aren't clear, not winners, I don't want to say winners, but obvious choices for people that we'd want to sign mm-hmm. up. But artists that are great, have a great presence and the music is there. Um, mm-hmm. it's finding them and es- essentially routing them to a salesperson. Additionally, it. it's yeah. like keeping track of every independent artist that could potentially sign to a label and routing those people to our salespeople as well. Um, so that they can begin the conversation and hopefully introduce the STEM model and promote independence and at least give those artists the option to not sign. Right. Um, Got it. <clears throat> That's half the job, as well as finding artists that are already within the platform that maybe are underlooked um, or haven't received the amount of attention that I believe that they merit. 
and trying to mm-hmm. find ways that STEM can further bolster their career or at least play a strategic arm. So inviting them to the office and discussing their rollout strategy and giving mm-hmm. them tips on what the DSPs are looking for, or even just connecting those artists with people that we know and love that could help that artist grow. Um, that's the development side of my job. Got it. That is super cool. The, wow. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the rest of the job is operational. So um, mm. it's the underbelly of our artist relations team and deciding what does it look like to start a conversation with an artist? What is your initial email? What's the process of bringing them into the office and selling? Um, How do we tear out our product? A lot of operational processes and deciding how the artist relations team interacts with the other organizations within STEM. So Mm -hmm. product or the engineers coming up with processes to essentially make the internal structure work very well. Um, That's the bulk of my job, I would say, actually. Damn. Well, you are very multifaceted. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Um, well, I, I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but I am a relatively new artist, right? Um, and I kind of wanted to know, because I use I use STEM. Yay. And I guess I kind of <laughs> wanted to. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but, you know, we kind of slightly discussed, you know, publishing deals and, and why they may not be so great for artists. Or why they might be great. Or yeah, the, just where the, they might the, be great. The pros right? and cons. Right, the pros and cons. I myself would like to remain an independent artist. Uh, Because I find more pros in that. But why should I choose STEM over like TuneCore or CD Baby or any other form of releasing music? Got it. So I think I will, one, start off by saying that there's no one spiel for every artist. Mm. It very Mm -hmm. much so depends on what your goals are as an artist, as well as kind of how you run your business. Um, I would say mm. if you're comparing us to a TuneCore or a DistroKid or a CD Baby, these services that are very um, hands-off in terms of how the companies interact with you, our service is right. superior because of the user interface and how simple it is to use, as well as the fact that there's mm. no upfront fee when you sign up to use STEM, nor is there a fee if your shareholders sign up to use STEM. Um, additionally, mm. DistroKid, I believe, is the only service at that level that enables you to pay out multiple like revenue shareholders on the master and composition. But with DistroKid specifically, anytime you add a shareholder, if they don't already have a DistroKid account, they have to pay the $25 when they're added as a shareholder. Ah. So you're charging your shareholders to get paid. Mm, possibly if the song pops off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So that's not great. Um, I'd say additionally at this level, we have a very robust support team that we're proud of mm-hmm. and support is a big thing for us because we understand that at any point in your career, you want to feel like a priority at a company. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. The biggest feedback that we got from artists at different levels is they want to be able to talk to a human. And we can't provide that at scale by talking to someone on the phone each time. But we have created a system where we have essentially live support, which is an in-app chat function. And it's on a first responder basis. 
So there's a team of individuals that you're not assigned a support person, but these five people, they look at their inbox and it's kind of like whoever gets there first will tackle Mm. the conversation with you so that you feel like you're being responded to as quickly as possible. That is one of the things that really surprised me as a, as a new artist in general, because I, you know, I'm just like, Oh, I'm releasing my first track or whatever. And then, and you know, I have a lot of questions obviously, because I is my first foray into, into that world, into, into using STEM and learning how to make money essentially from your music, for my music. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and that was one of the things that kind of wowed me about STEM was just the fact that I had somebody actually caring about what I was asking about <laughs> And not bothered by me at all. Because every time I'm just like, thank you so much. Like, I'm so I really sorry. appreciate you. I'm sorry <laughs> for asking so many questions. But they're so cool with it, you know, uh, which I, I really, I really love that. But, but yeah, so I, as a new artist, I, I know that there's a lot of specific things that you need to do to, to kind of build a success, successful music career. And there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's multifaceted. There's a lot of things that, that go into it for your product um, and everything. But what are some of the mistakes that you have seen new artists make when, I guess, traversing the music business side? Ooh, um, I think building, team building is the biggest mm. mistake that's made. Not the fact okay. that they're building a team, but building a team in the wrong way. Um, okay. I've seen many artists um, either be very difficult to work with and go through managers very quickly, like the turnover is mm-hmm. high, um, and that comes from expectations, and I think not talking about expectations with your potential manager from the jump. Um, mm. I've also seen several artists build a team of just friends and have the merit of that team be the friendship which it's great, uh, great, great, great to work with your friends, but they have to also be competent and capable. Right. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> like, I got you, bro. We're bros. We're bros. I'm going to get you this, this deal, bro. Like it's solid. Oh, I didn't get it this time. But next time you're my bro, bro. Exactly. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. So I think that's the a lot. <laughs> first mistake that's made is not taking the time to be thoughtful and conscientious about who you're bringing on board. Or thinking that you mm. can do it all by yourself and that the world will listen and care. Um, it's a mm-hmm. really hard job to be an artist that people know about. It's difficult and it requires infrastructure. Um, yeah. So I, Speaking of that infrastructure, yeah. um, I don't mean to interrupt you, let me finish. Uh, but, you know, it, it, is that kind of one of the things that's, I, I know it's essential to actually, you know, creating the team and creating the, the artists and, and making that artist be successful. But, um, you know, as far as things go, uh, for things needed to actually make an artist successful, um, you know, infrastructure is one thing, but are there any other things that you would say that the indie artists or the, the, the budgeting or what, what's the word I'm thinking of? The, 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 the up and coming indie artist needs to kind of thrive. Like what, what would you the say? Budding. <laughs> the budding, budding indie artist. Yes. Um, what would you say like that in that kind of indie artist needs the most just out of like out of the gate, just to start developing for themselves and for the team? Um, like sans income without money being a factor. Right. If you just money aside, you know, to, their their goal would be to eventually start making that income. So, what are things that they can do to kind of um, best 
you know, develop their their whole business, which is, you know, themselves as an artist. Um, but prior to that, like, what's their, what's a good way to kind of develop a business plan for themselves? What are some elements needed for that so they can, you know, long-term have a you know, kind of foreseeable career in music or as that artist? Totally. Um, I think the first thing is extensively building the personal brand and world around mm. the, like who the artist is. Um, because I think sometimes artists fail to realize how important that is within Mm -hmm. a digital age and the fact that artists that get signed don't get signed because of great content. Um, Artists that get signed are signed because great content plus great star power. And Mm, the star power is questionably more important. I was going to ask you that. So I was going to, why is it that, the star power, I guess, in the major realm, I I get it. You know, if you're if you're marketable, you know, you're you're a cash cow essentially to any sort of person who wants to invest in you or any sort mm-hmm. of business that wants to invest in you. But do you think that it's a good thing or a bad thing that it's kind of at that point where you know star power is more important than the actual content? I don't think it's uh, it's hard to say if it's more important. It's just it's more of it. You have to have both. Right. It, they have to coincide with one another. Um, and it's not in the sense of, even if you're an indie artist, the brand still has to be strong for the cohort of individuals that you're making music for. Um, Mm. for example, I'm trying to think of a good example of this. Do you guys know who Gus Dapperton is? No. Oh, I know that name. That's so familiar. Oh my God. I, but yeah, I, I don't definitely know. Definitely don't. <laughs> okay. He's an indie artist and the music that he makes will never be on the radio. In my opinion, it's not radio. Oh, wait, 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 music. wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know exactly who this is now. <laughs> I know who this is. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. But he's built a brand that's highly marketable and appeals to the niche of individuals that will like his music and play it and stream it as if it's a radio song. Ah, I see this. And how how would you say he's gone about that? Is that, you know, like his his imagery, his lifestyle, like how how is he Yeah, I guess like yeah. <laughs> I guess that's my question, you know. <laughs> like how how would you say he's kind of tapped into that that whole thing? Um, I believe that it's taking the time to Again, build the brand. And I, the first question mm. that I ask of artists when I meet them, they tell me that they want to be an artist, is do you want to live in your artistry or do you want it to be separate from who you are? Um, and I think that's mm. a okay. big question to ask um, because mm. you have certain artists like, uh, let's say, Lady Gaga, that have these huge personas. Right. right. And right. sometimes like that can get tiring, I think. But I think it's also very appealing because it's so avant-garde and unlike the norm. Um, But you have to commit to that. And if that's what you're committing to, you better look like Lady Gaga every day. And you can't go to CBS (laughs) really not looking like Lady Gaga. It's those types of conscious decisions from the jump and being very intentional when you go out into the world, how you speak about yourself Um, Mm. even the small things of like, what type of content are you posting on your Instagram? What is your Instagram caption? I think the best brands Mm. don't look like they're that intentional, but the person has put a lot of upfront thought before they even post anything on the internet or before they walk out the door. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, that's, you know, specifically for, in my case, 
um, you know, one of the reasons why I just kind of like wiped my entire Instagram feed was because I, for one, I personally don't really care to maintain a social media presence, so to speak, like, or, or, or for the sake of just maintaining it. Like if I'm on there, I'm on there because I want to be, or I want to, you know, look at funny memes or whatever the case may be. But, you know, I, I realize that there's value in having the audience. So for me, Instagram, since I didn't use it all that often, or, you know, I, I kind of used it randomly, mm-hmm. it kind of made my own branding look sort of messy, which, you know, it, it was, it was kind of conflicting with when I would, you know, put music out and I'm like, deep thought, conscious effort, you know, <laughs> look deeper into the music. And then you see it like a picture of a baby dancing on a banana. It was just like, okay, <laughs> what are you going for, bro? So, you know, I, yeah, it is incredibly important to even look at those little things, you know, I've had to do so in my own case and really consciously, you know, make decisions to put forth an image that is consistent with everything or kind of have consistent purposes. So, for, you know, in my case, Twitter is really just my a stream of thought, you know, stream of consciousness thought. And it could be, it could be funny, it could be serious, but that's kind of what people expect from me. Um, and on Instagram, you know, now I've changed the branding to where people, I don't post things on my timeline unless it's incredibly important or like, you know, like a new release or if it's a, a very important person to me because I want people to pay attention to that specifically. There's only six posts or eight posts now on there and each one has a very specific purpose, you know? So it's, it's, it's definitely good advice uh, for those listening to really look at what you're posting, why you're posting it, how it matches with your brand and seeing, you know, what, what you actually, what your goals are and what you intend to do mm. with your career on each platform or no platforms, if you don't want to go that route, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, Childish Gambino, for example, where his, his whole imagery now, it, you know, it shifted from being the internet rapper to now it's this, I, I, what would you call Childish Gambino now? <laughs> See, the thing with Childish Gambino is I, I think it's kind of seeped into Donald Glover. Right. That he's no, that Childish Gambino is just one facet of what he does because now he's just a renaissance. Because everybody knows who he is. It's not like he's like separate Childish Gambino. Right. But as you don't know him as a rapper now, you just know him as this. What kind of artist would you consider him to be now? You know, as as opposed to his last album because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You can't really describe that. 70s throwback yeah. with hip hop flair. Yeah, right. And then you take into account his personality behind that. And it's like, you know, he has no, he doesn't follow anybody on any socials. And yeah. he's always talking about Python and coding and the importance of education in right. that realm. Yes. You know, and there's there's kind of like this, it's, it's almost a persona, but like you said, it's kind of bleeding back just into Donald Glover, where he's creatively yeah. just shifted the focus back from rap in a, a specific genre to mm-hmm. kind of this movement or this lifestyle of just yeah. be who you are, be weird, be, you know, yeah. forward thinking, which is really cool. You I know, think he's just put thought into that. Something that's important to note with him, <clears throat> too, is it mm. was building blocks to be able to be a Renaissance man and to have that not be a confusing persona. Like, it's the same right. with Kanye. Is Kanye or 50... Like, they're doing a bunch of stuff, and they he does fashion. He does music. He... You know, like, he's on TV. Yeah. He's right. only able to do that because he did a great job of building a world in the beginning and building that fan base and slowly expanding that world to include other people and mm. other fan bases. Um so I find that it's interesting when I meet artists that have expectations to be so multifaceted before they've done the work of really building one great world and having that world populated with hmm. fans. Um, does that? I know, I know I'm talking That's... in metaphors here, but I think no, 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 that no, makes no. complete sense. That makes sense. So I guess expectations of growth and understanding that 
growth has to happen to become the megastar and tackle one world at a time, I would say, in terms of building your career. Interesting. And it's funny that you say tackle one world at a time, you know, doing one thing at a time. We, we're going to be talking about later in the, in the series about you know, wearing, you know, how we as independent artists kind of wear all the hats and do all the things and try and venture out. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're producers, we're graphic designers, we're, you know, we're all, yeah. you know, ma- or a jacks of all trades and masters of none. But, you know, it's important to then go back and kind of select the few that you really should focus on or want to focus on. And just dig into those and commit to those, you know. So it, it's kind of like embodying that aspect of just focusing and, and and digging in on one thing and building that thing up. Then you can go to the next thing, you know. It's, yeah, it's important. It's it's just interesting to see how it even works on that level. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was kind of lost in thought for a second because I was just, I was just, yeah, I'm kind of blew your mind. Yeah, could, well, because I'm thinking about you know, like 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 branding as a whole. And, you know, how you were saying that sometimes that can be a lot more important mm. than, you know, ne- necessarily like the content. Like I'm thinking of like the Lil Yachty's of the world. Right. You know what I mean? The people who I don't necessarily enjoy listening to Lil Yachty's music, mm-hmm. but he's just got this vibe. <laughs> that <laughs> I, like, I don't know what it is about it. I don't know what it is, but it's like, it's just interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I guess some of the last questions for you then, uh, Chloe, would be where do you think or, or where do you want to see the music industry, you know, 10 years from now? Do you, do you still even want to be a part of it at that point? Or do you like, where do you, what, what's your goal? Where do you see things? Um, where do I see the music industry? I see all of the streaming services being one. I don't see streaming Ooh, going okay. away, but I think it'll be a conglomerate. Um, I don't know if streaming will be still separate from our phone bills or if it'll be tied into how we pay for our devices or not. Um, mm, interesting. I, so I think streaming will exist, but I just am unsure of exactly what the payment structure will be going forward. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it'll continue to become more independent in the sense of, I think management companies will begin to be more impressive and look like yeah. labels so I think we'll see a crumbling, or not crumbling, but I don't think major labels will be the end-all, be-all eventually. I think Got you. management companies will sort of take their place and that the music industry will be more comfortable with niche markets and saturating niche markets as opposed to promulgating like really, really popular music and pushing that hardcore all right. the time and that being the gold standard. Yes. Um, I think expectations will go down slightly, but then happiness will increase um, Mm. by being okay with a little bit more of a segmented market. Um, Because I think you can see that in genres now, everything is crossover and it's sort of hard to almost define genres anymore, but pop doesn't even really sound pop as I view the definition of pop to be. Right, right, right. So it's definitely changed. You've had so many like influences come into the music at this point that from, it's, it's yeah. hard to say, oh, this is definitively pop. I think I think uh even what's his name? Charlie uh Puth? Yeah. Puth? Mm-hmm. How do you say his last name? Puth. Puth. <laughs> I Char- don't know. Puth. 
<laughs> P guy, Charlie P. I'm calling Charlie P. That's my homie, Charlie P. Um, <laughs> so Charlie uh, Charlie P was even talking about uh, the recent song he did with Kehlani, um, where you know it was a pop record, but he didn't use any sort of pop structure or chords or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna re- we're gonna see a lot more of that in the mainstream. Yeah, you know, I think something that I see happening is is we're starting to listen uh, to genres less. Mm. Like, you know, if before you used to be like, oh, what kind of music are you into? And people would be like, oh, I'm into rock and hip hop and right. all this stuff, you know, and, and we kind of still say that now, but I feel like more so we're listening to artists because of who they are. Right. And that, you know, I listen to like King Cruel for a specific reason, right. you know, or I listen to Yellow Days or whatever, you know, all these artists because they're themselves and I'm not going to get that sort of content anywhere Anyhow, else. Yeah. yeah, that definitely makes sense. So. Chloe, if you were an artist, Mm -hmm. what kind of music would you make? Oh, that's such a good question. If I was an (laughs) artist, oh my goodness. I want to say, I would want to be a big character. And someone Mm. definitely that toes the line. I would start with hip hop, but it would be very left of center hip hop. So maybe like a Doja Cat type character. Um, I definitely wouldn't wait, be a wait, popular wait, wait, wait. artist. Doja Cat. Wait, why do I know that name? Obviously, that sound is, it's, it's familiar for a reason. Wait, Doja Cat. Why? Does that she does like So High, I'm pretty sure, right? Am I wrong? Look her up on Instagram and you'll get right. it. Doja Cat? Yeah. Um, I think I would be... I feel yeah, you. I would be so a character. Like, Colors. Like very ex- extravagant character, yeah. Yes. Um, big fan of Cali yeah. Uche's Mm. Yes. Women that have built, I would have, have built a world that is very much their own and is a fantasy, but they believe it's so hardcore and the content is so good that it feels Mm -hmm. real. Got it. Got it. That's awesome. So what what do you think, uh, I guess, knowing some of your influences now, so that'd be kind of like a, like a, I want to say, it'd be kind of the best of both worlds, a little bit of hip hop, a little bit. And I think that'd be really interesting Coming from, you know, someone like yourself where, like you said, just this white girl from Atlanta, Georgia doing the whole Doja Cat thing. But then it's also a hip hop artist, but also like like jazz. Maybe. I don't know. But like, <laughs> you know, it'd just be really, really interesting. You know, we don't see a lot of that. So I, I, I would love to see myself in 10 years from now or even now. Someone, like an artist like that. And I think we are going to see a lot more of that. Mm, mm-hmm. the, the Doja Cats and the just the weird, you know. Yeah, I think I think the the era of names being symbols instead, like the, the artists formerly known as <laughs> such a, <laughs> yeah. it might be more of a thing. I don't know. Millennials are getting kind of weird. We're kind of weird people. We're, we're very weird. Uh, yeah. well, I think, it, <laughs> I think it's going to be. It depends where our society goes, too. Mm. Like. So where would you say our society is going? Or where, where do you see, like, where, what do you expect? I guess there aren't any expectations, but um, where do you estimate that it would go? Controversial statement. Um, currently, Ooh, I right. think we're in a very weird place. Um, mm. I think it was good in a backwards way that Donald Trump was elected. I think it really no, right. highlighted. We, we we've, we've had this conversation. I, I, I completely agree. We with both that. agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're on the same page there. And I think it's interesting to see how his marketing campaign for himself worked. Um, To me, it's very analogous to reality TV and appealing to this feeling of wanting to be distracted. That's interesting that you mentioned that because I feel like most of the things that he says is meant to distract people from something that's actually happening. 
you know, or like, or like something that he's actually doing or working on, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that has always been interesting to me because then I don't know when he says something, I feel like, like, I don't want to get political or anything like that, but, <laughs> but, but I am, but you know, <laughs> he'll say something that's just absolutely ridiculous. That is just like, wouldn't ever possibly take place, you know, like, oh, we're going to give all teachers guns. You're like, which is just, that's never going to happen. That's just never, ever going to happen. But everyone just goes off and talks about it as if it's going to happen. And then he's, he's doing something else. He's like, meet me in the middle somewhere. You know what I mean? But look, think about it. Like the majority of people that are working go nine to five. They aren't paid that much money. Mm. They Mm -hmm. don't have time really for themselves. Maybe they have a family. You get home from work you're cooking from your family or doing whatever you have to do before you just go to bed. And right. you turn on the TV. And I think the last thing that people want to do, and as sad as this is, is educate themselves or to mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. after working mm-hmm. for that long. It's the majority of people aren't living like the 1% life, um, nor have yeah. they been yeah. given the tools to easily educate themselves and how to do that so that it's not such an uphill battle. So I think Donald Trump and like that campaign has played into how easy it is to turn him on and not think and be sensational yeah. and enjoy. Um, and I think that's why, especially in rap right now, you see the same trend in terms of what people are gravitating towards with this like wave of like Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, little Yachty. Right, yeah. Like all of these artists that I don't want to say that they don't mean much but it's really lighthearted no. and it, distracting and sensational. Yeah. And yeah. It's not timeless music. We won't listen to them after they're done. Like it, uh, yeah. it's, 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 it's got a very specific vibe, which yeah. is to not think and turn up and just yeah. tune out everything and have a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, so as we wake up, I think, to the issues within our own society, and I'm talking from an ethnocentric perspective. This is from an American oh, perspective. I believe that as we become more conscious in terms of our society and that becomes cool to be conscious, um, mm. younger kids will again be attracted to more conscious material. So I think that's the next mm-hmm. wave of what type of genre and what type of content and what type of characters are going to be really big and important. Maybe not mm. in the next two years, but like the next wave of what's making a lot of money, I think will again right. be kind of like this phase of a- artists that are big activists, artists that artists yeah. that have something to say yeah. and lyricism that is important, which we're starting which to see. Which means it's going to be my era. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right with that. That makes me happy to hear that. That really makes me happy. Yeah. So I, lastly, I guess I, I, I do want to ask you this. What are some of what are some of your favorite artists that you're listening to right now that I guess we might not know about, you know? Totally. Um, okay. My favorite artist right now is a duo out of Atlanta called Danger Incorporated. Okay. Um, Danger Incorporated. Never like, heard of them. Writing it down. <laughs> it's kind of alternative rap. Um, okay. They're dope. Um, who else do I love? I love an artist called Evan Gia, and she's actually a STEM user. Hey. Shout out to STEM. <laughs> There's an artist called Emma Lou. She's a R&B singer from the UK that I'm really into. And then this— Are these— What? Are, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Are, are these uh, some artists that 
that you've like talked to and, and have reached out to or? Yes. Well, I, with, I've hiked with Emma. So that's kind of mm. cool. We that's got, super cool. We got lost. I told her I was taking to her, her to a great Malibu hike and it ended up being a very <laughs> sketchy hike where we encountered <laughs> many hobos. Along the way. Oh my <laughs> god! Yeah, that we is haven't, a story I wish to hear in person. Yeah, we haven't hung out again <laughs> since then, but <laughs> you know, it happens. Wait, were you trying to go like the Santa Monica Mountains? I I don't know what I was trying to do. I was like, okay, there's this really cool artist. She's in LA for her first time. I want to bring her to like a great Malibu Topanga Canyon situation hike. And I had a kid. Definitely a situation. <laughs> My friend had given me a pin and like a relative description of like where this awesome hike was. Your girl got mm-hmm. lost and uh-huh. we'd been driving for a long time. So we're just like, all right, fuck it. We're just going to start hiking. And it was pretty underwhelming and I felt super weird about it the entire time we were hiking <laughs> but like was smiling and I was like this is great right are we having fun yet <laughs> like <laughs> are we having fun this yet? is fun have fun please be having fun <laughs> so I've met her I haven't oh, met the funny. the rest I actually curate a playlist called don't sleep and yes oh, cool yes, you do for stem and I love it yes this week is all ladies um, but Ooh. if you follow that, you'll hear what I listen to on a weekly basis. And it's all Ooh. like my favorite guilty, not even guilty pleasures, but like the people that I'm obsessed with that mm. are underrated currently, or maybe unsigned, or even if they're signed, but I don't think have gotten the love yet that they deserve. Deserve. Yeah. I'm about Absolutely. to check this playlist yeah, out. Yeah, I already have it. I'll send you the link for it. Um, so wait, is Amber on that list? Because I actually turned uh, turned Louise on and a few other people to Amber, and I so I found oh, out yeah. that Amber I actually have a, a few mutual friends with. So I'm going to try and you know get in touch with her when I'm in New York, but we shall see. Because you know, Amber is dope. Just yeah. so you know, Amber <laughs> Lucid. That's A M B A R Lucid, like Lucid Dreaming. She is incredible. I love her sound. Yes, and Chloe turned me on to her. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, that's it for this episode. If you have any burning questions or topics you want us to talk about, hit us up on the site at thousandstory.co slash contact or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thousandstory underscore. That is an actual underscore, not the word underscore. And if you want to know about our lives outside of the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well. My handle is Mr. Najee Boy. That's M-R-N-A-J-I-B-O-Y. And I go by at L Pontillo on Instagram. That's L-P-O-N-T-I-L-L-O. And at Luis Pontillo, that is L-U-I-S-P-O-N-T-I-L-O on Twitter. You can find that information on the website at thousandstory.co slash podcast. And Chloe, where can we find you? You can online? find me on Instagram at clomoneyclowproblems and that's C-L-O money C-L-O problems with no spaces. And don't forget to check out Chloe's curated STEM playlist along with all the rest of the others that they have on <laughs> Spotify. Fabulous. Yeah. And uh, so this is a two-parter. So this is part one. Part two will be coming up soon. And we'll be having more fun times with Chloe. See you soon. Okay. Thanks, guys.